we think that there are four phases and each phase of the cycle corresponds to a completely different set of decision making. And once you know that, then you're armed with some reliable data. You can make good quality and good time decisions based on actual inputs rather than emotion and fear. And I think that's the number one key for business leaders right now. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Boy, oh boy, have I got a treat for you today. So if you are a leader in business, if you've got to make decisions about your business over the next two, three years, if you are facing a level of uncertainty because of what's going on with all the pandemic and lockdowns and availability of vaccine and Brexit and trade tariffs and the list goes on, then my conversation here today with with Alex Chosowski of ITR Economics is absolutely one to listen to. We're going to talk about being a data-driven business for decision-making. We're going to be talking about um, case-shaped recoveries, uh, calculating just sort of rates of change in your business, and why having five to seven years of data on a monthly basis will enable you to track and pinpoint the low point in your business's performance and therefore indicate the recovery. And also we go on to talk about what are the things that you should be doing and investing in right now. Packed full of um, insights, 30 to 40 minutes of conversation with a brilliant mind, a brilliant economist uh, from ITR Economics, Alex Chalsovsky. Hi and welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here, great to have you back on the show and with me today, I've got the great pleasure of a great brain, Alex Chazowski, uh, ITR Economics. Alex is an accomplished speaker and serves as a senior business advisor at ITR Economics. He's a highly experienced market researcher and analyst. He has more than a decade of expertise in subjects that include macroeconomics, industrial manufacturing, automation and advanced technology trends. And today we're going to be speaking specifically around business planning, decision making in this environment of uncertainty, whether that uncertainty is a change in um, sort of a, a presidential election, whether it's Brexit in the UK, whether it's COVID and the impact on business. It's about how we can make um, decisions in our businesses based upon data. Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Gavin. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I know I'm going to learn from it from my brief conversation thus far. And I know this is going to sort of get a lot of people who are listening to this thinking, um, thinking about business planning. Now, one of the things that my clients uh, I'm encountering with is they are really struggling to business, to plan from a business point of view in the face of so much uncertainty. So if we just take the UK for a moment, we've got the uncertainty around lockdowns and COVID and a second wave. Um, plus, we've got the uncertainty of the Brexit negotiations and what that's going to mean to trade. And I guess in the US, you've got the uncertainty around presidential elections, although that might be, some would say, quite easy to read now with this polls, but hey, they can uh, dumbfound us, can't they? And then also you've, you've got the COVID situation as well. So I think my first question is, 
how do businesses in a period of so much change, so much uncertainty, where the implications could be quite big, could be quite like digital ones or zeros, how do you go about planning? I think it's a it's the number one question that people should be focused on right now. You know, uh, just to give you a little bit of, of a background, although I am US based, we do track data on a worldwide level. I, I have a particular affinity for the UK. I actually uh, was in the UK five times last year, speaking to the business community, uh, everywhere from Edinburgh through the Midlands and down into London area. Excellent. Um, I used to work for a UK based company out of Northampton. And uh, okay. so I've, I've, you know, taken the, the train from, from London Heathrow all the way up to, yeah, yeah. to, to the middle part of the country. And so I have a, a, sure. a very special place in my heart for the UK. I understand what drives the business community, the, the type of decisions that they're facing. And, and you're absolutely right. Right now, if you were to just, um, you know, think about all of the uncertainty that's out there surrounding Brexit and the pandemic itself, I think it's very easy to fall into this mindset of allowing your emotions and your anxiety and your fears drive the decision making. But one of the things that we're really striving for with our clients and, and our listeners is to remind them that if, if there was ever a period of time that it was absolutely crucial, but right now is a time to be a data-driven decision maker. So you cannot let that fear and that uncertainty and anxiety drive those decisions. And when it comes down to it, you know, it, nobody really knows what the specific outcome will be surrounding the pandemic. Will there be another round of lockdowns? It's certainly uh, very clear to me that the situation in the UK and in Europe in general is worse than it was a few months ago. We've clearly is, seen yeah. a substantial rise in cases there. There's a lot of complexities surrounding the vaccine, you know, whether it's the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine or, you know, the, the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine that's here in the US. Um, you know, it's not a simple thing of getting a vaccine approved. There's also going to be a great deal of complexity in terms of distributing it to the population. Uh, in the US, there's a very high propensity for people to not trust vaccines in general. So last sure. year, for example, we only had about 45% of the US population take the flu vaccine. And that does not bode all that well for vaccination from COVID-19, where people think sure. it's highly politicized and rushed process. And I think that mm -hmm. some of that will be evident in the UK as well. So you've got to cast that to the side. Um, surrounding Brexit, you know, we've seen time and time again, kind of an 11th hour deal be struck. I certainly think it's with everything else going on right now, it's very um, likely or at least probable that you're going to have a delay of pushing off into the future, the negotiations surrounding trade. I don't think we're necessarily going to go and default to WTO rules um, as of January 1st. I think they can easily use the, the, the situation around COVID-19 to justify an extension to that negotiation process. So what, what are you left with as a decision maker? Well, you're you're left with a very powerful tool, which is your own data. And that's what we at ITR Economics really focus on is tracking what's going on in your company's business cycle. We do that by measuring and then tracking over time the rates of change. So we look at month over month growth rates. We look at quarter over quarter growth rates, year over year. And then there are signals within those rates of change. For example, if you look at your quarter over quarter rate of change. So that means the last three months of your sales, for example, compared to the three months from a year ago period, see what that rate of change is, compare that to the year over year number, and that gives you some directional movement. It basically tells you over the next three to six months, you can either accept, expect 
upside momentum in your business or further downside pressure, which immediately, just by looking at your own performance in that way, you can have a great amount of insight into the decisions that you're making. Should I be preparing to leverage the low point in my own cycle to prepare the business for future growth? Should that be looking to invest in my people, perhaps look to improve some capacity? You know, what do I do with inventory levels? All of these kind of decisions that you're making on an everyday basis get impacted by that. Or vice versa, am I expecting more downside pressure from uh, the markets in my industry on my business? And do I therefore need to be much more focused on cash preservation and not making a significant amount of outlays right now? But we have a great section of our website that's designed to teach companies how to leverage this methodology. So if you just go to www.itreconomics.com forward slash methodology. We've recorded some videos and put on free content, you know, tutorials, white papers that actually walk you through this process of calculating your own rates of change, identifying where you are in your own business cycle. We think that there are four phases and each phase of the cycle corresponds to a completely different set of decision-making. And once you know that, then you're armed with some reliable data. You can make good quality and good time decisions based on actual inputs rather than emotion and fear. And I think that's the number one key for business leaders right now. Absolutely agree. I, I see people so overwhelmed with the narrative and the changing nature of business that they are not praising all the different data. They are They've got literally to overwhelm, the brain shut down, the planning processes shut down. So therefore, you know, I'm not saying about larger corporates, I'm talking about SMEs in that 1 million to 10, 15 million space. They're just going to say, they're just so overwhelmed. Some of those owner founders are saying, we'll just have to deal with it when it happens because I can't keep track of it anymore. Well, and that's that's really, to me, I think where the majority of the opportunity lies is with the smaller and medium-sized businesses because oftentimes it is the owner or the CEO or the CFO that's responsible for not only listening to all the noise that's out there, but also making those key decisions. And so you're absolutely right. It's very easy for them to get overwhelmed. I think there are resources available to them. My firm, ITR Economics, certainly works with companies one-on-one. -on -one. Not only do we have tools that will help them do this in a relatively easy manner, but we actually provide them more future guidance. We can do a company-specific forecast for your sales, for example, three years into the future based on inputs from leading indicators, based on our macroeconomic expectations. And that will give you a much better sense of what to expect as we you know, get out of this hole that we find ourselves in right now, driven by the black swan events, not only related to the pandemic, but also the oil price crash that we experienced. I know some of your businesses will have felt that. Um, and then, of course, the unanswered questions around trade, around the vaccine, around all the things that we've already talked about. So, so you just speak, speak there to a number of major ma macroeconomic events. So we've talk, we're talking about tr trade tariffs and trade wars started off in the US between US and China, but now you know, the UK and Europe, you know, we've got the pandemic and the global shutdown where literally put cities and countries in lockdown for, for, for months, not weeks. Um, you've got a crash into almost what we had for a short period of time, negative oil prices. There's talk of negative interest rates. Um, from an from a macroeconomic point of view, have we ever had through history so many of those major arguably seismic events economic from in economic terms that have all hit at once? 
I think it's really unparalleled what's going on right now, uh, especially as you alluded to earlier, you know, you've got a presidential election year in the US going on. And of course, a very divided society when it comes to our executive branch and who is going to be the next president. Um, I, I think when you look at the events of the first quarter, meaning the ramping up of the pandemic itself and the coinciding man-made um, black swan event in the collapse of oil prices because of the negotiations between Saudi Arabia and Russia breaking down, which kind of initially caused that downside pressure. Uh, and you add on top of that, you know, a world that was already in a state of flux in the sense that we have this growing sense of nationalism that's emerging all around the globe, right? Companies and countries are retrenching. They're more focused on internal rather than external cooperation. Everyone's kind of looking out for number one. And it's really changing the dynamic of world um, events in general. I mean, when you look at, you know, kind of the existing status quo that relies on a global system of trade and cooperation, we've clearly seen that being walked back. I mean, many of the national governments reflect rising trends of nationalism and kind of the, the more conservative branches uh, uh, seeking to, to come to the forefront. So I think you're, you're right. When you say it's hard to imagine previous times that were as volatile, as unpredictable. But at the same time, I do have to take a step back and say, you know, we've had world wars in this country. We've had things that are on a, on a scale of impact to disruption, right? We talk about the Great Depression that we went through in the early 1900s and, you know, the, the, the corresponding 10-year loss of economic growth that resulted from that. I mean, I think it's certainly easy to say, in the recent history, we have not seen anything on this scale, uh, but you only have to go back to 2008, 2009 to uh, see the last time that the business community said, it's never been this crazy before. What are we going to do, right? And, and that's, I think, the key. One of the things that we've seen consistently over the last decade are business owners that look back on 2008, 2009, and they say, you know, I have regret in not doing more at the low point in that cycle to then take advantage of the 10 years of growth that was going to come afterwards, right? Hindsight is obviously 2020 vision, but they certainly wish that they had done more to invest for their future growth during that low point in the recession. Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audiobook version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook, and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies, and case studies to help you not only survive, but thrive through uncertain times. So go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out Survive and Thrive by Gavin Preston, or grab it from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. So I want to explore two threads here. I want to make sure that we, we track two threads. So well, the first one is the macroeconomic picture you believe going forward. And then the second one is that what more could you do at the low point? So if I can just go back to the, the threat the, about the macroeconomic. You know, we, we hear talk about V-shaped recoveries, W-shaped recoveries. Some have even suggested it might be an L-shaped recovery now. I guess what from from your research and that of your colleagues, what do you see as the macroeconomic picture over the next three years? 
I think this notion of assigning letters to the shape of the recovery profile is both very amusing and very misguided in the sense that typically what people are talking about during those conversations is the growth rate. So, you know, when you look at what happened in the second quarter, when we had that shutdown, right, we essentially had an economic freeze take hold in Europe, in the US, lesser extent in China, because they obviously clamped down much more severely than anybody else did. And the authoritarian government there has the ability to do that to the extent that we cannot replicate in the Western world, right? But when you think about the implications of that freeze of economic activity on the likely performance in the second quarter of next year, when there is not likely to be the same kind of shutdown, even based on the rising trends that we're seeing in the COVID pandemic, I think that there's very little taste now that we understand the kind of implications that that type of shutdown brings. Then you can see how growth rates are likely to bounce back relatively robustly next year relative to that freeze that we went through in the second quarter. So some people point to that and say, well, that's going to be a V-shaped recovery. But the reality is, uh, as with all things economic, the devil is in the details because what, what you really care about as a business owner is not how quickly your rates of change bounce back. It's what you feel like on the ground, right? It's the volume of activity that you're experiencing. And in our perspective, yeah, there's likely to be a bit of a V-shaped recovery because we are coming out of this freeze now. We're seeing the green shoots of that recovery. We think that in the US and in Europe, there's been a little bit more resiliency, to be honest with you, in economic picture than we originally feared during that shutdown in the second quarter. So we obviously have contraction, we have recession, but it's not as severe that as some people and including ourselves originally believe it could be. But what I can tell you is that when you look at our expectations for when things get back to normal, and by normal, I mean the levels of activity that we saw pre-pandemic, pre-crash in oil prices, you've got to temper those expectations. You've got to understand that it's going to take us several years. The, the severity and the shock that came as a result of the shutdowns and the pandemic and the price uh, of oil crash is going to take us, in our opinion, we believe that in the US, for example, the business to business segment of the economy, not the consumer segment that is the vast majority of GDP, but rather we call it industrial production. That's kind of the investment driven behavior, things that most business owners really deal with. We think that's a 2023 return to pre-pandemic level. So it's a prolonged, recovery process, even though the growth rates do bounce back. The last comment I'll make on this is what we're increasingly seeing indications of is something actually called a K-shaped recovery, which alludes to the fact that different parts of the economy are experiencing very different trends. So certain markets, if you look at manufacturing, for example, or construction activity, have been more resilient in terms of job losses, in terms of actual volume of activity going on, and other segments of the economy retail sales, particularly at department stores, restaurants, and leisure and travel and hospitality. So all the segments that have been really badly hurt by the pandemic itself are still on a downward trend, and it's going to take them even longer to recover. So that's why the point that I made earlier is even more relevant. You've got to focus on your own business. You can't just think about the macroeconomic implications and say, well, I'm going to experience a V-shaped recovery or an L-shaped recovery as the economy does. You've got to track your own performance. That's got to be the driver behind your decision making. So here's the dilemma for every CEO, founder, every board. If we've got a bumpy, you know, three or two, or two and a bit years, um, protection of cash is surely going to be a paramount concern. And yet 
to your pre- earlier point was business owners that look back to what they did in 2008-2009 wished with 2020 uh, vision uh, with hindsight that they had actually done more at that bottom so that that that's a really tricky one isn't it for many business owners to think if i invest now which probably i want to do but i've got to protect cash and it's so is is that if you were to invest where would you invest where would where, how would you help people navigate that kind of that kind of dilemma or that decision I, I, I think the first answer to your question is you're absolutely right cash flow management right now is probably the most crucial thing that you can do and you have to be doing that those cash flow projections not just into the next three months as you typically do but all the way through the end of 2021 perhaps even into 2022 and if at any point in time you recognize that you're going to be falling short on those projections you've got to put in plan uh, put in place plans and actions that you can leverage that you can go to in order to make sure that your business survives through this week period but i think one of the things that really um, is helping right now in that regard is the massive amount of government support that we've seen. We've certainly had a tremendous amount of it here in the U.S. I know that the European scale has been a little bit smaller, but certainly the government has come out and said, we recognize that businesses are hurting right now. We want to make funds available. Oh, and by the way, with interest rates at historically low levels, you can borrow money right now without having to incur a significant downstream cost of paying that money back. And so I think one of the notions that we're recommending right now is very much explore this idea of leveraging somebody else's money to invest in the future of your business. Preserve the cash that you have on hand and use whether it's local or, or national government initiatives, use potential lines of credit that you have with the bank. You know, make sure that you're you're on a one-on-one face-to-face basis with your banker so they know exactly what your needs are and can help you meet those needs if the if that arises right so this idea of using somebody else's money at a period of very low interest rate policy for the positioning of your business for the future i think is something that we're we're talking to right now as far as the areas of investment it's going to be quite different depending on what sector you're in right so um you know when you think about the type of investments you make they are there are near-term implications things like staffing levels and capacity planning for your business i mean if you think that their recovery is going to unfold and by the time you get into that 22 23 time frame you're back at pre-pandemic levels what do you need to have in place in order to be able to meet that demand Is your goal to just grow at the market level or do you want to actually grow some share? So you need to ramp up in anticipation of that market share gain as well. If you look at longer term, you know, people are uh, don't realize that to me and and to my colleagues here at ITR, recessions are actually great opportunities from an M&A perspective, right? There are going to be companies that are hurting out there that are not positioned well. You can get much lower multiples now that you could have back in 2018, 2019. So is there a strategic merger or acquisition that makes sense for you to be able to leverage that long-term growth? And even you know, things that are in between. For example, if you have a facility that you're renting, whether it's a warehouse or a distribution center, can you use the downside pressure in the commercial real estate market right now to negotiate lower lease terms as you get through this low point and leverage other people's pessimism to your advantage? So as you can see, it's a wide gamut, you know, the spectrum of opportunities to leverage this low point to position yourself for future growth is actually quite wide. Uh, But it's all about your specific situation. So I can talk in these broader terms, but at the end of the day, it's got to be done on a company by company basis, considering their own individual niche needs. 
So one area that a potential investment is if there are particular trends facing your industry, you could invest in moving into those, leaning into those trends so they could act as like a, a trade wind for your, sorry, yeah, a, 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 yeah, trade wind for your business. Um, what sort of trends do you see over and above what we've already discussed? What sort of trends do you see happening in, in, in both B2B and B2C? Well, I think one of the trends that stands out very clearly to me has to do with the pandemic. And it's this notion that the reality of working from home and distributed workforce is going to be having some medium term impact on on the economy and it, the changing behavioral patterns that go along with that. I mean, in the U.S., for example, prior to the pandemic, e-commerce represented about 10% of overall activity. Now it's upwards to about 20%. So it's doubled as a means of change in our behavioral patterns. And I would imagine that knowing what I know about the UK economy, it's actually quite similar because there, you, you know, in the UK, you also have the consumer as the primary driver of the economy. They actually represent about uh, two thirds of overall GDP in the UK. And so when you think about the opportunities associated with that, you've got to make sure that your business is well positioned to take advantage of those opportunities, both on a cost saving basis and on a revenue growth basis. So ask yourself, is my e-commerce platform for whatever it is I'm selling from widgets to consumer goods to heavy machinery, am I able to meet the needs of the customer by not having them actually interact with me face to face? Do I have the right infrastructure in place for that? What are the implications for me from that distributed workforce change? Is this a thing that I think is going to affect me greatly down the road or is it relatively temporary? And I think the answer for each company is going to be unique. They have to come out with a specific solution that works for them. So you can't just say, well, we're just going to be remote for forever. Some companies will, some companies will not, and they'll go back to business as normal and others will develop a hybrid approach. And so I think those are the kind of things that you've got to be thinking about uh, at least over the next 12 to 24 months, because that's the kind of timeline that we think the impact of the black swan events of earlier this year is going to be lasting. You know, that phrase, fortune favors the brave, you know, you talked about earlier on around investments, that could be seem counterintuitive when people wanting to cut back and spend then those that look back on 2008 2009 and said they wish they'd invested more in the future we talk about um, m a merger and acquisition opportunities that may be in the marketplace the opportunity to to build um synergies or to to vertically integrate or to buy in capability to for your offering in the marketplace all of those things require the bravery to make those investments but your very very well articulated point is um it's not a leap in the dark because with data you can have increased level of confidence in making those decisions that's exactly right and that's what when we work with companies one-on-one -on -one, we try to help them identify the timing of that low point and around that timing is when they, we are advising them to make some sort of move, right? Whatever your comfort level is, but you've got to recognize that uh, in order to take advantage of the growth that is out there, we, because we don't think this is the end of the world. We think that we will get past the pandemic. There is going to be economic growth again. And so in order to get ahead of that, you've got to be kind of half a business cycle ahead of it. So it's this idea that you can apply to the stock market as well, buy low 
sell high, right? It's the notion that the low point and when everybody else is running for the hills and is very pessimistic is actually the best time to invest because that's typically when prices are lowest and you need that ramping up time frame to incorporate these new assets into your operation so that they're all available and in place to make you money when the economy is aggressive. So identify where that low is for your own company, uh, understand the trends by tracking it on a monthly basis. So this can't be just the end of the year analysis, right? Most companies, they look at what they did in 2019, they compare it to what they did in 2020, uh, 2018, and they make a bunch of decisions moving forward based on that one year end growth number. You can't do that. You've got to track those numbers throughout the year. You've got to identify when the changes in the business cycle momentum happen and then immediately respond to those by changing your actions and decisions. The key is you have to take ownership and you've got to prioritize this approach above many other things that are clamoring for your attention as a decision maker. So to ground this down into an action that um, people listening to this podcast could take in respect to data, what data should they look like look at and start to track over previous quarters, over previous months? What what, what specific pieces of data? So most commonly, companies tend to focus on their sales or revenues or bookings, whatever you know statistic that you're tracking um, companies that are more focused on volume so if you're uh, you know a heavy industrial manufacturer you can be tracking the tonnage shipped or something along those lines but the key i think is you've got to have at least about five to seven years of data on a monthly basis. So the more frequently you can track that number, the sooner you'll be able to tell when the trend is turning around. So one of the things that we've seen consistently, and that's both in Europe, in the UK, and in the US, is that the low points in the cycle on a monthly basis seem to have happened in April because the April negativity was kind of representative of all those shutdowns that happened. Since the April low, we've seen a very consistent rising trend emerge in that monthly data, but there is a lag between when the monthly data starts rising, when the quarterly data starts rising, and then when that annual figure starts rising. So we're looking for a reversal in the trend in the quarterly and annualized numbers. But in order to get to that point, you've got to calculate with the monthly data. So my recommendation is at least five to seven years of monthly sales would be a good place to start. Plot it. And then you'll be able to, using those tutorials I mentioned on our website, graph it for yourself and visually be able to see when the turnaround in your business is actually happening. So anyone that has questions or wants to follow up on this and implement this in their own business, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, ITREconomics.com is our website. You can get some really great tools for free on that. And then we can help you out how to become that data-driven decision maker. Alex. Uh, mindful of information, insights, and uh, and value here. I really appreciate your time. I've learned a lot, and uh, I I know that everybody listening to here will be that that the cogs will be whirring in their minds as they're thinking about how they can actually take the, what we've discussed and put it into practice. But I think there's another overarching uh, thing that's a, a sentiment that you mentioned, which I think will give people a lot of confidence that even with so many of those kind of macroeconomic events that have taken place all at the same time, you're saying, uh, actually, we will we'll get over this, we'll have a solution to the vaccine, whether it's a vaccine, we'll have a solution to the pandemic, the market will recover, and it's what we do now and how we invest our time, our resources and our money now that will actually dictate how, what shape, in what shape we emerge out the other side of this. 
That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So, you know, if you're not someone who's aggressive and you want to take a little bit more cautious approach, you know, invest in your people. I think they are by far your greatest resource. So do cross training during this time of busy, of, of less busy operations, you know, introduce some redundancy in your system. Look at your supply chain, right? I mean, that's been a big story as part of this is the vulnerability of supply chains has been exposed by a large amount. We think that for manufacturers in particular, this actually represents an area of opportunity. So there will be companies that see the gaps in the supply chain that exists domestically in the UK, and they will aim to fill those gaps. That's great opportunity for you to pick up some new customers potentially, but you've gotta be out there proactively looking, right? So as a decision maker, as a business leader, your job is capital deployment. You've gotta decide how to use the resources at your disposal. And that's the key. You've got to be able to uh, focus your sales team's efforts, your marketing activities, your promotions to the areas of opportunity, recognizing that there are lower hanging fruit and there are fruit that is going to be very difficult to, to harvest right now. So focus your energy efforts and money on that lower hanging fruit that's going to give you a good quality ROI and pivot your resources whenever possible to the areas of opportunity, identifying the risks and then cognizantly staying away from those risks awesome it's all gold thank you so much alex for your time so again if anybody wants to tap into the resources that you have on your website what's the url itreconomics.com awesome i think was it was it yeah and then forward slash methodology was methodology if you want to track your own rates of change absolutely there's a lot of other resources out there you know we do speaking events at company uh you know board meetings and at association group meetings so i as i mentioned i've been to the uk multiple times would love to come and talk to you and and discuss how it applies to actually your business rather than just at the macroeconomic level so i certainly have a ch hope i have a chance to do that soon alex thank you so much for your time today my pleasure gavin thanks for having me Hi, Gavin here. Wow, wasn't that an episode for you to listen to once again? Packed full of insights. But first of all, track your data. Take your sales figures and hopefully you're going to have five to seven years worth of data on a monthly basis to be able to track the trends of the performance of the business and particularly the low points. He's suggesting and pointing to most businesses that will be April of 2020. He was saying from a cash protection or management point of view, borrow where you can at low rates of interest to these government subsidised sort of lending schemes um, that we've had in the US and in the UK. And then thirdly, invest. Now is the time. It's a lower point of the economy is to invest for the future, whether that's investing in your e-commerce platform and the user journey, the customer journey and customer experience on your website, or whether it's investing in your team, in your staff and cross-training them. Packed full of great ideas, not only that, powerful advice about the things that you can do now to make your business planning a lot more effective. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.